0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. All right, guys, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Joe here. Hope you guys are doing well. Are you doing awesome or what? Hey, listen, we're going to be having some people join me here in a minute, like my good friend and coaching business partner, Gavin Timms. And I'm going to have my assistant, Dana, on here in a minute as well to kind of help us with the questions. In fact, here comes Gavin right now. How you doing, Gavin? Good. How are you? Welcome. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy, happy New Year. Hope you're doing well. When we do these big coaching calls, normally here, around on Zoom or something like that. <clears throat> but Gavin and I are going to be doing it now inside of StreamYard uh, because we want it to go out to uh, Facebook and YouTube, and then we'll send out a replay of this later on, maybe, as we go through. But Gavin, you're good. You hear me? Yes. I know you guys can't see it yet, but my studio, I'm setting up my studio. I have a brand. I don't have the big bookshelves over there. I have an empty bookshelf and a fancy light and another light that's going to be my backlight or whatever but I can't figure out how to turn it all on. <laughs> so my little re- light remote thing here is dead, so I can't use my and I got a nice fancy camera with the teleprompter and the monitors and the lights. And I can't use any of it. So I'm on my laptop on my desk right now. So hope you guys are doing well. Listen, the the theme for this call that we're doing for y'all is we're going to teach you here real quick how to become ineligible for the stimulus. Who would be interested in learning how to become stimulus ineligible? If you can hear us or see us right now on Facebook and YouTube, uh, type something in the comments. Say hello, give us a thumbs up. And if you are interested in learning how to become ineligible for the stimulus, type something in right now into the comments. We've got guys like Al. What's up, Al? How are you? Willie's in the house. We've got Melissa. Hey, what's up, Melissa? We do a lot of deals with Melissa in Alabama. Our good buddy Sam Hodgett is here in the house. Nice. Glad you guys are here. So Teresa has found us. She says, hey, it was hard to find you, but we're glad you're here. So right now in Facebook, Ryan, yes, ineligible for the stimulus. Grayland's in the house. Yo, what's up? Patricia Knight, where did she go? Uh, we would, yes. Teresa, I, hello from Maryland. Hey, how you doing? Hey, GM. Who's GM? We're glad you're here anyway. We've got uh, Brian, absolutely. Good morning, Joe and Gavin. Hello from Maryland. Uh, Levi, hello. Larry, I'm ready to learn. Melissa, of course. Yes, I'm already stimulus ineligible. LOL. <laughs> so you guys are here in the house. So congratulations. When you post in Facebook and YouTube, we can bring up your comments like Melissa's here. So we want you guys to, and Brian, yes, this thing is working. We're glad you're here. Absolutely, <laughs> Larry. <laughs> oh, GM means good morning. Very cool. Scott, St. Louis in the house. Now, listen, guys. Melissa, who was just saying a minute ago, that she's already stimulus ineligible. She's saying thanks to you guys, by the way. The other day, I posted something on Facebook where I I went to some online page site website and I designed my own T-shirt and I put on the T-shirt ineligible for the stimulus, right? Or stimulus ineligible. And I've as a joke, because I'm not eligible for the stimulus, Gavin isn't, you know, Melissa, who is one of our coaching students, who's now crushing it, doing a ton of deals with Gavin and on her own in a couple different states. She's not eligible for the stimulus. So anyways, I did it as a joke. I put it on Facebook for 15 minutes and everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people tore me apart. They're like, that is super insensitive. You are a jackass. You're an idiot. And how could you say that? And people are suffering and people are hurting and you're bragging about how much money you make. And I was like, dang, they are right. You know, I, I felt really bad. I felt like this tall. I felt really, really low. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk. We're not going to talk about politics, by the way, on this call either. And we're not going to talk about anything to do with politics. So you can all relax. All right. But uh, I feel I have always tried to steer clear of talking about politics and anything really controversial in my Facebook. But when I posted that, I thought, man, I'm I think I'm really on to something right now. Right. Like, obviously, everybody's talking about it. and There's a lot of people that are hurting. A lot of people right now on this call need the stimulus money to help them. Right. So. I was thinking, when we do this coaching call, let's teach people how to become ineligible for any future stimulus in 2021, right? And who is interested? Rob is interested. He's given us a thumbs up here. And most people hate having a W-2. That's right. But some people, they like it. But I think most people here in the house, uh, like Jamie. Good morning, Jamie. How are you doing? Rob again from Houston. A lot of you guys, you don't want to be reliant on the government. You don't want to be reliant on a W-2 paycheck every two weeks, do you? You know, one of the things when I was working, Gavin, I was very frustrated with knowing that if my company fired me, I could probably find another job. I was working as a civil engineer for a big contractor building power plants. I knew I could find another job, but I'd probably have to move. And I was always just had this fear of not in control of my own destiny, right? If my company fired me or let me go, I was two weeks away from bankruptcy, right? Like I was paycheck to paycheck. And I hated the fact that I couldn't control, I couldn't take care of my family without being reliant on an employer that maybe one day is just like, yeah, you know what? We don't want you anymore. We're cutting your position. You know, the economy is hit. And we were really reliant on large, big electrical contractors and and public utilities because we were building projects for them. What if they just say, yeah, you know what? We don't need you guys anymore. We're shutting the job down. And I I wanted to be more in control. And the harder I worked, I got paid the same every two weeks, right? No matter how hard I worked, no matter how much profit I brought to the company, I got paid the same. If I was lucky, I got a two or 3% raise at the end of the year, right? Or maybe a little bonus. Like That is frustrating, right? And I decided it's not safe to have a job and to invest in the retirement, uh, like a 401k, I mean, and rely on the on the employer to help you fund your retirement. Like that is the most unsafe thing. That you, If you can think you can rely on an employer or a 401k or the government with the stimulus checks here to keep you and your family afloat, you're in big trouble, right? So the, like Al right here says, I'm tired of the just over broke system. That's right. That's what a job is, just over broke. Yeah, and I love Patricia. She says, I would rather help those who need the stimulus. Right. And then this one, Larry, I'm retired. Thank you for the SS upgrade. <laughs> so I don't want to knock people. Let me just be super clear. I don't want to knock people that are, are have received the stimulus already. That's awesome. I think you know the There's some people that really, really need it. Um, There's a lot of you guys that don't need it and you still got it, but whatever, right? Let's figure out on this call how to become ineligible for the stimulus. If you're here, you're interested in learning how to flip real estate, how to do wholesaling, how to do lease options, subject to is creative financing, whatever, we're gonna teach you like the right way to do things so that you can focus on how to crush it this year. And by the end of the year, you know, we're going, to talk, we're going to give you a marketing plan here in a minute. And then we're going to start answering all of your questions. All right, so this is what we're going to do, guys. We're going to share some cool things with you just real quick, like what we see working in 2021 and how you can become stimulus and eligible. I'm going to help you create, I'm going to show you a real simple way to create a marketing plan because we're, we're going to talk about being brilliant at the basics. It's one of my favorite phrases in this business, being brilliant at the basics and understanding what are the simple things that you need to be focused on no matter what condition or direction the market is going in. We're going to help you create a simple little marketing plan that you can fill out and do on your own while we're doing this, okay? And then uh, the next thing is we're going to be just answering a lot of your questions. So a lot of people are already typing things in, the Facebooks and the YouTube comments here. If you're just joining us, a lot of people have been joining in late. Please type in hello and tell us where you're from in the Facebook or YouTube comments because we can see them. And if you have a good question, we can pull them up like Keen is asking here, I wanna learn how to flip lots. So we're gonna answer those kinds of questions. You just type them into Facebook or the YouTube comments. We can see them below and we will answer them, all right? So we're gonna do, I'm gonna do a marketing plan for you guys. I'm just gonna open up a simple spreadsheet and share my screen with you, okay? I'm not gonna make this anything fancy because I want it to be simple that you guys, so you guys can actually do it yourself, all right? And I'm gonna make sure this works. I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to pick an application window. Cool. And then Gavin, do you see this spreadsheet here? Yes, I do. I don't know if I spelled ineligible right or wrong. Marketing. This is a simple Google spreadsheet. Okay. And don't worry about getting this spreadsheet. Um, I'm going to do my best to kind of just make it simple here. So you can just follow along and you can do this on a napkin um, or a piece of paper. All right. And Gavin, if I'm if my internet connection is bad, let me know. My, I'm hardwired in. I have really fast, but all right, we'll see here. Now to be stimulus and eligible, you need to make at least $75,000 a year as a single person, $150,000 if you're filing together as a family. Okay. So let's just say your revenue goal is $75,000. You want to make $75,000. Why is this why do we need to write this down? Because in a marketing plan, you can't control. We want, a, we want a marketing plan that shows us things that we need to do that we can control. Okay. You can't control making 75 grand a year. You can't control that you do one deal a month, that your average profit is $5,000 a month, or that uh, you have to talk to, you have to make 20 offers to get one accepted. You can't control those kinds of numbers. But what you can control are the basic things that we're going to be talking about, things that you can do every single day. All right. So let's break this out. Let's say your average profit per deal is $5,000. I'm being real conservative. Okay. So number of deals that you need to do, you take that divided by that. And again, equals that divided by, there we go. You need to do 15 deals in a year to make $150,000, right? Let's let's make this actually. Let's say your average net profit is four thousand dollars. So <clears throat> you we would figure in a thousand dollars on average. You're going to spend about a thousand dollars in marketing and VA costs per deal. I'm being super conservative, conservative, right? So you need to do eighteen point eight deals per year. Okay, number of deals per month. I'm just making this building this slow so you guys can. Kind of do this yourself as well, right? Equals this divided by. Oh, so you need to do 1.5 deals per month to make $75,000 a year. If your average gross profit is $5,000 and then your average marketing and VA cost is $1,000. So your average net profit per deal is $4,000, okay? Now, that's 1.6 deals per month. Let's just round up. to You need to do two deals a month. Now, how many sellers... How many offers do you need to make to get a deal? Get a deal under contract, okay? Offers per, let's just say offers per deal. I'm going to be conservative again here. Let's say you have to make 30 offers. And by the way, you should be making an offer to every single seller you talk to, right? So you need to make 30 offers to get one deal. So offers per month, you need to make two times 30. You need to make 60 offers per month, right? Now, how many is that per week? Like that? Divided by four point, there's actually 4.333 weeks on average per month. You need to make about 14 offers per week. All right, now how many offers per day? Let's say there's five days per week, right? Equals this. You need to make, oh, do you see where I'm going here with this? You need to make three offers per day. That for some of you may sound like a lot, all right? It's really not. We're going to show you how to make real simple offers. But this is what now we're getting down into things that you can control. You can't control making $4,000 net profit per deal. You can't control that the average offers, number of offers you need to make to get one deal is 30, right? But you can control what? How many offers per day that you make. Are we still good, Gavin? Yep, you're good. And you guys, you can't see the comments, huh? So Only I can see the comments. What a bummer! In the streamer, there's. I should have figured this out because maybe I can make one of you the admins. But all right, we'll just go back to the spreadsheet here. So, and you can see my screen, okay?
1: Yeah. Good. Uh, now your video is back, good as well. So we're we're okay. Good.
0: good. Now let's w- let's figure out what are two different types of marketing that we can do. All right. Let's just look at direct mail as as one example. Okay. So, number of leads. Now what? What percent of our leads come from postcards? Well, let's say 50% of our leads come from postcards. Now, postcards, I'm just using this as an example. It may be yellow letters. It may, for you, be texting Zillow for sale by owners. It may be cold calling. I'm just doing something real simpler to kind of give you a, an idea of what we're talking about. So number of leads from Postcards, how many leads do you need from postcards per month? Well, if you need, and when I say offers per deal, this is the same as like offers or leads. Okay. So I need, if I need 30 a month, all right, I need equals this times 30. All right. I need 15 leads a month from postcards. Now, if my average response rate from a postcard is 1% number of postcards per month. How many postcards do I need to send per month to get 15 leads? So I just take 15 divided by 1%. I need to send 1,500 postcards a month to get 15 leads. Did I do that right? No, I did it wrong. Look, see, a spreadsheet can tell you whatever you want it to tell you. <laughs> so it's actually 50% times 60. We need 60 leads per month. Okay. You know, you could always, let's say it's a half of 1%, 0. 5%. That means you need to send 6,000 postcards a month. Okay. Or equals this divided by the board. You need to send 1,385 postcards a week. You see now how we've broken this up into things you can control. Okay. What, what other kind of marketing could you do? Let's look at how about the texting Zillow? Okay. Texting Zillow rentals, FISBOs, and the percent leads from this. Let's say it's 25%. All right. So you're going to need number of leads needed is 25% times 60, right? Number of need leads needed per month. You're going to need 15 leads per month. Well, what's the uh, average response rate for this? It's going to be a little better, you know, maybe let's say 2%, which means... If I send a hundred text messages, I might get well. It's going to be better than that. Let's say five percent. I'm gonna if I send a hundred text messages, I'm gonna get about five that say, "Yeah, I might be interested." Okay. So number of texts per month going to be fifteen divided by five percent. I need to send three hundred texts per month, right? How many texts per week? Well, that's going to be equals three hundred five hundred three three. Going to be sixty nine per week, right? How many texts per day if I'm working five days a week? 14 texts a day, okay? Oh, you see where we're going here. Now, that's only 75% of our leads. Let's do one more. And we'll just make this one simple. Let's say cold call. And that's going to be this right there and shrink this a little bit here. Uh, so we need 25% times 60. So we need 15 leads. Now, this is going to be a little different. On average, you need to cold call Gavin, maybe you can help me with the numbers here. If you yeah. cold call an average, if a VA cold calls, and we help you all set this up. Um, if a VA cold calls about an, a couple, three hours, they might get one or two leads. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's normally one, one to two leads every three to four hours across all markets. That's kind of what you're looking at.
0: Let's say two leads per three to four hours. Yeah. Okay. So just being conservative, and this is a VA doing the cold calling for you, which is what we do. So you get two leads per every four hours. I hope I'm doing this right. Just watch my math here. A number of four-hour shifts, about eight four-hour shifts, okay? And so how many, that's 32 hours a month. 32 hours a month, let's do this. Hours per month cold calling VA is going to be equals eight times four, 30. How did that get here? It's going to be 32. Hours per week cold calling VA equals this divided by four All right. So that's kind of it, right? Now, this could be a VA or a U. If you don't have a VA yet, you're doing the cold calling. What I've just done here is I've now created a marketing plan that shows you things that you can do that you need to be doing every week or every day. So if you want to make 75 grand a year, guess what? You need to be making three offers a day. There is no magic push button money falls from the sky. You see what I'm doing here? I tried to do this. I, I, I already have this spreadsheet kind of made in another in, in some of my courses. You know, I could have just given you the spreadsheet, but I wanted to build it for you so you could see how these numbers kind of work. And you can do this on a napkin or a piece of paper just with a calculator. You need to figure out, guys, how many offers do you need to make a day to make your goal of seventy-five grand a year to become stimulus and eligible? So you need to talk to at least... I want you guys to make it a goal to talk to at least five sellers a day and make at least three offers to those five sellers you talk to. You might talk to a seller that tells you to jump off a cliff and die. Or if you ever call me again, I'm going to kill you or whatever. Like what some people were telling me when I did my stimulus and eligible shirt. Um, But like, that's your goal. This is not complicated. This is not rocket science. If you're understanding this, guys, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Are you smelling what I'm stepping in, as one of my former bosses used to say. Like, this is it. There's no magic rocket science uh, formula. There's no red pill. This takes work. You've got to talk to sellers every single day. And you need to be making offers to every single seller you talk to.
1: So if you want to Mick, go ahead, Gavin. No, I was just going to say for everyone watching as well, like when Joe's built the numbers on the spreadsheet, it might kind of like stress you out. The goal is five sellers a day and three offers a day. So if you're going to take anything, you know, from this is obviously you're going to build a marketing plan to understand when you have a plan, you can now take action on that plan. So once you have the plan in place of what marketing you're doing to get the leads in you're looking to try and get an average of five a day if you can, if you can handle that many. Now, some people in jobs, right, if you're working long hours, you might not be able to do five a day, but at least get three a day in and making three offers a day. And What's going to happen over a period of time, 15 offers a week, 60 offers a month, you're going to start doing deals, right? And after month 30, I might be jumping ahead here, the follow-up will kick in, which is then the most important thing. So on your scorecard or on your daily activity, you will then have on day 31, let's say there's 30 days in the month, on day 31, you're now going to have your three or five new seller leads plus your three follow-up offers that you need to follow up on. And as a rule of thumb, if you start doing that follow-up over a period of time, that's how then you're going to start going from one deal a month to going to three to four deals a month over a period of time.
0: Yes. So I'm going to show you real quick here. I have a scorecard this is a scorecard that we give to all of our students and we work them with this. We help them come up with a marketing plan. We've helped them figure out places where they're going to scrape the information from Zillow. We help them figure out their top zip codes, which this she doesn't have. But then this is what we give them here. This is a scorecard. And this comes from the marketing plan, but this is this is a simpler version of it. But like if your monthly revenue goal is 10,000 a month and your average profit per deal is $4,000 per deal, average number of leads per deal is 30. So you need three and a half leads per day. And this is where the money is. Writing down the thing that you're going to be doing. What is your daily? You need to track your numbers. So daily, you're going to send, you're going to make 100 cold calls. You're going to make 50 cold calls. You're going to send uh, 100 texts a day. You're going to do five Facebook messages a day and you're going to send hundred letters a week, or 20 letters a day, okay? Now you start tracking your numbers every single week, every single day, however you wanna do it in your spreadsheet. You're gonna start tracking the number of da- the dials you made, the texts you sent, the postcards, the Facebook messages you send and things like that. You're gonna start tracking your numbers here. And guess what? As you're not gonna see a whole lot of traction in your first three or four weeks. You'll be tracking in your numbers of the sellers you're talking to, the number of offers that you make, but guess what? This follow-up column right here is blank. There's row, there's no follow-up because you typically follow up On every 30 days, right? Where the power of this comes from, guys, is the follow-up because 90% of your deals come from follow-up. So on week five, you're going to start following up with all of the offers you made on week one, all the sellers you talked to and offers you made on week one. On week six, you're going to start following up with all of the sellers you talked to in week two. But guess what happens? Then in week nine and 10, week nine, you're going to start following up with all the sellers you talked to in week one and week five. Does that make sense? And then yeah. in week 13, I think it's going to be, I don't know, right? In Week 13, you're going to follow up with all the sellers from week one, week five, and week nine. Now, you can see how this starts cascading. If 90% of your deals come from the follow-up, the more follow-up you do, the more deals you're going to do. We looked at the numbers. Gavin, would you talk about this for a second? When we looked at the numbers at one time in the last yeah. 12 months, how many deals we did and what came from follow-up?
1: Yeah, we did. Uh, I think we did 58 deals. 54 came from follow up. So we only landed four deals that came in like within the first phone call. The others came from follow up, which is probably, I think, about 93%, if I remember rightly, of follow up over a period of time. The other thing is, as well, you should all write this down, but profit is in the follow up because all your marketing efforts that's going this month, okay, you might get rewarded in month one for them. You might do a deal, but over a period of time, that marketing dollars that are spent is going to 10 times your return over a period of time, right? So, for instance, you know, work, Melissa was on the call when we started doing cold calling originally it took us five weeks to get the first deal under contract it took us eight weeks to close the first deal right so let's say out of a 100- hundred, Leads, we closed one deal and we made $7,500. Over a five month period of follow up on them, 100 leads, we then did $105, right? So over $100,000 over month one's marketing efforts, right? And that's how you're going to get a profitable business because everyone gets it the wrong way. They focus on leads today and just say, oh, they're not motivated, but they're not motivated now, right? No means not now. So what are they going to do? in a week's time, in a month's time, in three months' time. Because over the period of time, guess what happens? Situations change, which means motivation changes, right? Who knew that in January of 2020, that we were going to go in lockdown in March and we're going to go in a pandemic and, and the world was just going to go crazy. We didn't know that, right? So anyone that you spoke to in February, if you called her at the end of March, now has a completely, they're in a different situation. So by the situation changes, the motivation changes, okay, and then that means to more deals for you. And this could be anything. This could be, you know, lost jobs, broken legs, injuries, deaths. I mean, there's multiple things that can happen. Divorces, inheritance properties. I mean, there's so many things that can happen within the hour, right? I did a podcast about it saying everything can change on a dime, and that's literally it. Anything can change at any time, and you need to have these in the system to be able to pick these deals up, because if you're not, somebody else is. And that's what you need to understand. So when this plan's in place, as Joe's just said, that marketing will kick in, that follow-up will kick in, which will result in more deals, but also more profit, because it goes straight to the profit, because you've already spent the time. Now, money, obviously, time is money. I understand that, but from I'm talking from a marketing budget standpoint here. It is profit, and that's how you're then going to actually build a business that's successful. So some people might be on here that just wants to do one deal a year. Cool. Someone might do want to do five deals a year. If you want to do four or five plus a month, it's going to be you have to have it in the follow-up. You have to have a good system to be able to do it. No one's. I don't know any wholesaler across the country unless you can tell me that works on their own, that doesn't have a system or a team, that does any more than probably two or three four deals a month. You just aren't going to find it. And they, and if they are doing it, they're working 70, 80 hours a week, 100%.
0: Well, and this is the key to this, guys. You may look at this and think, oh, man, this is overwhelming. Like I have to send 700 postcards a week, 15 texts a day, and make eight hours of cold calling a week. Or you know, I've got to send whatever your daily, weekly numbers are. This is what we want to tell you to do. You need to get somebody else to do this for you in spite of you as soon as possible. Now, With the right systems, the right VAs, that's easy. It's not that hard to do. We get VAs to do all the cold calling for us. What do we pay our VAs on average in the Philippines to do our cold calling, Gavin? Five bucks an hour. Five dollars an hour. Do they have good English? Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they did. Put it this way. I mean, they they bring in, you know, for our business, they do. They bring in the VAs, bring in over half a million a year. Okay. In gross profits from their cold calling on right which is which is insane we're talking people that are five dollars now but we also treat them just like the the normal people the part of the team and if you can get them working with the right training it can just do huge things for the business
0: listen and when we're talking about as well here like texts and postcards and letters. Are we talking about like you writing these letters yourself and sticking envelopes or handwriting envelopes and sticking stamps? Are we talking about you doing postcards yourself or sending text messages yourself? No. All of this marketing, guys, you need to get somebody else to do it for you. It could be a VA doing the cold calling. It could be just as simple as going into REI Simple, my CRM, and just clicking 25 buttons just and in five seconds, send 25 text messages out, Um, or just using one of our mail houses to send the postcards and letters for you, right? Let me just show you some recent campaigns that we did. Um, One of our students, Esther, in El Paso, Texas, we did a simple little follow-up campaign for her. We sent, we imported in, her old leads into REI Simple. And it was about 100 old leads that we sent out a text message to. And we had 16 respond back. And she's working on these right now. 30 were dead, like stop calling me. 16 came back and there's about another four or five I need to add into this for her to call. That said, yeah, you know what? I am interested now. Uh, Give me a call. I'd like to talk to you. So Esther just goes in here and she calls him, okay? that in, And to send that text campaign out, I don't have the time to show you, but it was simply a matter of I went into these new old leads here. I highlighted 100 of them and I sent them a simple text that said, hey, my name is Esther. You don't remember we talked a little while ago about one of your, your property at XYZ Street. Have you sold it yet? Okay?" And I just, in like 30 seconds, I, I clicked because in order to stay compliant, you have to send these manually and they're personalized. We're not selling anything. We're just asking questions because we've talked to them before. And we sent out a hundred texts and we got 16 that came back. And I know a couple of these are real close to becoming a deal. So sending text messages, even if you don't have a VA do it, you do it yourself through something like REI Simple. It's just click, 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 and it gets done. Let me show you another campaign I'm doing with my boys. I have two teenage sons and we're doing some postcards right now for vacant land in a county called Jasper County, Texas. And uh, we sent out a simple postcard and we had a 3% response rate. I was in a mastermind the last two days with some big heavy hitters. And when I told them I got 3% response rate, they about fell out of their chair. These are guys that are spending 50 to a $100,000 a month in marketing. They're used to half to 1% response rate in marketing. But with this simple postcard, I'm getting a 3% response rate. We sent out 15 offers already. I have 20 that we still need to send offers to. And a couple of them were dead. We got one of them accepted. Now we're still doing some research to see if it's going to be a deal or not, but we're buying this vacant lot for about $12,000. It's worth $80,000. We're going to sell it for maybe twenty five thirty. 30. So we'll make about a $15,000 uh, profit on this uh, vacant lot. It's about 21 acres in the middle of Jasper County. So guys, the marketing works. And did I do these, did I do these 1186 postcard? No, I sent them to my mail house. They sent it out and just got it done. response rate. Are you kidding me? So this marketing works. And when it comes to cold calling, I mean, we can show you our, uh, we use Mojo cells for cold calling and it works. You get the VAs from the Philippines with good English that does the cold calling, puts the leads into our CRM, and then we call those leads. The stuff works. But just again, top 30,000 foot view. You want to make 75 grand a year. You want to become stimulus and eligible. You need a marketing plan of things that you have to do every day. You need to know, like, so you can focus like a laser, not just spray and pray and hope that, you know, I'll test a thousand postcards and see if they work. I'll do a cold calling for a few hours and see if it works. I'll send 20 text messages. No, like, you need a plan. Every day, if I want to make this income goal, become illeg- ineligible for the stimulus. I want to talk to five sellers a day or make three offers a day. I need to send 700 postcards a week. I need to send 15 texts a day. I need to have a VA, you know, two hours a day doing cold calls or eight hours a week. And then you put that in a scorecard, start tracking your numbers. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you over and over again, we've seen our coaching students that have had the most success were the ones that did this. They cr- we, we helped them create a marketing plan and a scorecard and we held them accountable. And guess what? None of them, none of them met their numbers, right? But the ones that were successful and did deals at least made half of their numbers, right? And at least because they started doing follow-up and they started building momentum, they started doing deals. Here's the crazy thing. You don't need to meet these numbers every single day, every week to do deals. If I were to ask you, the fact, this is a good question I wanna ask you guys right now. How many offers have you made in the last week? Type it into Facebook or YouTube and, you know, I, okay. Yeah. Some of you are might, you're going to be, everybody's going to see it, but like, just be honest. How many offers have you made in the last week? Here's the cool thing, guys. Type it into Facebook and YouTube right now. Type it in the comments. How many offers did you make in the last week? Here's the great thing, though. This is exciting. Even if you don't make your numbers here, okay, you will still do deals. Most of you, if you're struggling and you're just getting started or whatever, wherever you're at, you're not making enough offers. Even if you you make one or two offers a week, even if you just doubled that to two or three or four offers a week, how much more money can you do? Here's the point I'm trying to make, guys, and write this down. This is a writer downer. Your speed. Speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. Your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. So if you want to succeed in 2021, you need to make a lot of offers. What we're talking about here, guys, is just simple, brilliant at the basics stuff. You need to be brilliant at the basics, which is do the marketing, talk to sellers, make offers. That's it. And then do follow-up. Four things. That's all this business comes down to yeah i to say something to that?
1: and that yeah and that goes for every type of strategy across anything to do with real estate it's them four things as joe just said just to you know call them back out is you know you're marketing to get leads coming in then you're going to number two is talk to the sellers you're going to find out their situation and motivation you're trying to get the price the timeline and the condition okay then you're going to make offers You're going to make maybe multiple offers, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. You can make multiple offers, and then they go into a follow-up sequence. And this follow-up sequence could be followed up on in a month to get a deal. It could be two years. We still close deals that have been in the CRM for two years. So again, nothing is ever dead until they are, for me, it's just sold. They're threatening to sue you or kill you or something like that. Otherwise, no means not now. So take that away. Write it down, no means not now, because again, the situation can change at any time.
0: I made a banner out of it just so I can make it real clear. Your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. And if you want to succeed in this business, rule number one is learn to be brilliant at the basics. What are brilliant at the basics? I'm writing this down right now. Marketing, number one. Number two, talking to sellers. Number three, making offers. Number four, follow up. On the banners right there. Marketing, talking to sellers, making offers and following up, guys. That is the secret magic pill. And you know what? We've said this every year since I started teaching and coaching. But this is especially important in 2021 going forward. All right. Another big thing that I want to talk about here is multiple offers. Now, I need to learn how to spell multiple right. This is going to be huge for you guys in 2021. Uh, What do we mean by this? Why is this so important? Well, first of all, we recommend when you're talking to sellers, you just focus on one strategy. This is real important, Gavin, and and maybe you can talk about this in a second here. But like uh, we don't we're not teaching you. We don't want you like going in 20 different directions, making 20 different offers to sellers. There is a place to be a transaction engineer. We get that. But we see a lot of students struggle because they're complicating it too much. They're trying to do too much. They're not focused on the real simple, basic things. So we want to tell you guys, focus just, if you want to do lease options, just make lease options offers. If you want to do cash deals, just make cash offers like wholesaling offers. But if the seller says no, you need to learn how to make multiple offers to them. What do we mean by that? Well, we use a document called a three page, I mean, a one page three option letter of intent. It's just a simple three option letter of intent. There's different ways you can do it. What I like to do is send them a cash offer and then a lease option offer and then an owner financing offer, for example. Or it could just be because I know they don't have enough equity. I might make them a lease option offer and then a seller financing offer. So when the seller says no, you, what do you, most people, this is guys, this is what most people do. And you think you're worried about competition. This is what your competition is actually doing. When the seller says no, they're just leaving it. They're not following up and they're not sending multiple offers. So what you need to do is send a letter in the mail to the seller saying, hey, listen, I, thanks for talking today about your house, uh, 123 Main Street. I understand you don't want to sell it now. But listen, if circumstances change and you change your mind or something happens in the future, let me know. Attached are maybe th- are three different ways that we might be able to help you sell your house. Option number one, cash. And that could be just as simple as 70% of Zillow. Okay, number two is lease option, 85% of Zillow, okay? And then and, and then the rent is 75% of the market rent, okay? And then the third option could be seller financing, 100% of Zillow and half of the rent principal-only payments. So, for example, if, it's, if Zillow says it's worth $200,000, give the seller $200,000. Let's say the market rents are $1,500 a month, then offer the seller $750 a month principal-only payments, Okay. How long does that take? Did that just take me to come up with right there? Like one or two minutes. So send them multiple offers and then this is the key guys. Send them that same thing every 30 days. Send them an offer in the mail, follow up with a text message, an email, a voice message, phone call, a letter, postcard. Every month, send them that same offer again, because now you're, you're getting your foot's in the door. And you're just following up because, and a lot of times, too, these multiple offers help position. So you know they can't take the cash offer because it's so low, but this, so then you make it a higher owner financing or lease option offer. That cash offer just helps you position your other offers to look, make them look more attractive. Um, yeah. Gavin, I got to step aside real quick. Will you just talk about the importance of making multiple offers and the power of, of also focusing? And I'll be right back. Yeah, no worries.
1: Yeah, so guys, uh, we, I actually just did a video, um, I think uh, it's going to be going live today actually on multiple offers. So if you go onto my YouTube channel, uh, REI Network with Gavin Timms, um, you can check that out. Don't go right there right now, but make sure you write that down. I might drop it in, in the link actually, I'll find this video and put it in there. Uh, but you'll see how to position You know the multiple offers. Well, not how to position, but how to actually make the multiple offers, okay, are going to work the best for you. So as, as much as I would say is a cold lead, someone that's not really interested, whatever, just send me something. They're not really giving you zero motivation. You might want to send them three offers. You might want to send them the cash, the sandwich lease and the assignment lease option. Use Zillow, three minutes, get it, send it and it's done. Okay. But let's say, as Joe said, the way that you position them offers, they will make things look better. So let me give you an example. Let's say that I go in and in my head, I'm start asking questions. The seller is already shut down about cash offer. He comes out with something like, oh, you're an investor. You're going to lowball me. I'm not giving my house away things like that. Now I need to pivot quickly to get him back on board and kind of agree with him and shut that offer down. So now what I'm coming in with is more now in my head, the the sandwich lease and the assignment lease option. So what I would say in that scenario, so again, I say, hey, Gary, I'm a real estate investor, whatever the conversation goes. And he said, oh, you're an investor, you're going to lowball me, blah, blah, blah. and say, actually, I'm not going to lie, Mr. Seller, I do make cash offers, but let me ask you this, if I could get you more money, would you be interested in renting it to me for a year or two first? I could interject with that. Let's say that then that he's interested in that. He gives me some positive feedback. I now know. Okay, that the cash offer isn't going to work. He gets very upset about it. But I'm going to come in at the sandwich lease option. So I'm going to make two offers based on this scenario. The other thing is that I will tell him and say, "Look, Mister, I'm going to leave the cash offer on there. I understand you can just ignore it. Uh, I know you don't want to do that. But I really want you to look at the second option that I'm going to send you. What I'm doing there from a visual is that I've got the cash offer down. So it makes my sandwich lease option offer look much better because it's a higher amount right? So let's say it's worth 200,000. I'm going to say 175,000 for a sandwich lease option in three years. uh, And I want to pay him 110 in cash. So I've got the 110 as a visual on the paper, for my offer at 175. So what's going to happen is he's going to automatically attract to that 175 amount, but it it goes, oh, he wants to give, give me this at this offer. It makes it look better. But I position it on the phone because he's upset in this scenario. He's upset about the cash offer. I'm going to tell him that it is going to be on there because, again, it helps me position it. Makes sense? Now, what happens is in this scenario, if I've got him where he is now, he's entertained about this rent. He wants to know more about it. I'm going to just make them two offers. So I make my sandwich lease option offer. We get back on the phone to discuss. And all of a sudden, it doesn't work. And I need to now know why. Well, I want more money. I like the idea of it. I like the concept of it. But I need more money. OK, so this is now where I've given myself a, a gap to now transition into the assignment lease option because it's not on the paper yet. So this is when you learn how to position these offers. Right. So I've made an offer 175 in three years. I'm not going to give all the other stuff but on, on a visual. And I made 110 cash. It's not happening with the cash. Gone to the 175. Now what I hold up is he quite likes the concept, but he wants more money. So this is now while I'm on the phone, I'm now going to slide into a transition into the assignment lease option by one question. So I say, okay, Mr. Selle, if I could get you more money and more money in rent, whatever his objection is, what would you want to do then? And if the answer is, well, I'd do it. Well now I've just got myself an assignment lease option, okay? Because the objection was just the price. So I can go, okay. Well, look, I might be able to get you one nine five. I'm now going negative. I don't know if this is going to work. I'm willing to try it. Look, just so you know, I'm not going to be staying in the middle of this deal. I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. Um, I'm here to make some money. I was going to make some equity on the back end. I understand that's not going to, you know, work for you. But if I can get you this one nine five that you want then what would you want to do? He says, yes, I get the assignment now signed, and then I go on. Now, why am I explaining that? Because if I have a motivated seller that is potentially going to do that, and he does want me in the middle, and I put that 195 or 200 on the page, I've now made my job a lot harder, okay? Because now I've got nowhere to go. I've got nothing to negotiate with. But the difference is that he was motivated, If he says to me, oh, whatever, send me anything. I'm just going to sit on it for 10 years until it sells. I'm just going to send all three and it's going to take me three minutes. Right. But as you get into this and learn the art of selling, the art of conversations and understanding what people need, that position is going to be huge. Okay, so hopefully that helps.
0: Excellent. Somebody was just asking, Alan, proportion banner back up for screenshots. Here it is. Your speed to income is directly proportional. The number of offers that you make. So that's why making multiple offers is so important. Thanks for sharing that, Gavin. So we're talking about the brilliant at the basic stuff, right? We're talking about you got to be good at this stuff. Marketing, talking to sellers, making offers, and following up. The the other thing that I just want to stress again that we we're talking about is always asking who, not how. Like, because man, if you start asking how, you just go down this deep rabbit trail of all of these fancy, complicated systems and tools and strategies. Like, And if you feel like you have to know how to do everything, you'll never get started, right? So you need to instead ask, who can I get to do this for me? Who can I get to do all of this for me? Now there's certain phases where you outsource things. Like we would say probably the last thing you outsource is talking to sellers and making offers. You need to be doing that yourself until you get growing in the business. You start learning how to do deals and then you can start hiring acquisition managers. So that's, that's the key to this. The other big key is, again, we've, we've been talking about the follow-up. And I just want to talk about for a minute here, if you want to succeed in 2021 and do a lot of deals, you need to know the follow-up. And there are a lot of different ways you can do follow-up. Once you make the multiple offers, you follow up with continuing making offers over and over again every 30 days. But there's texting, there's phone calls, there's emails, there's letters. I have found the best form of follow-up is direct mail because... That is something that sellers get. They open, they look at. I, I just got, went to the post office, the UPS store today, and I had a, every time I send direct mail out, I get a bunch of it back, you know? And uh, I got some direct mail back because the address was wrong. And, you know, I know what's in the letters, but I still open them because I wanna see it. You know, I wanna see what's in the letter. So sellers read your letters. Sometimes they'll, when you get a call, They'll ignore it because they don't recognize the number. When you send a text, they'll like, I'll look at that later, or they'll delete it, or the carriers will block it. But when you send direct mail, it's like, oh, I need to see what this is. They'll open it. They may open it over the circular file, the trash can, but at least they're going to look at it. So the direct mail is very important when it comes to follow up, you know, like an email that's going to get lost. It's going to go into spam. They may see it and say, oh, I'll look at it later. This is why, again, when it comes to sending offers to sellers, um, you shouldn't just email them an offer. You should send it in the physical mail because then they open it. They look at it and they're like, oh, hey, you know what? I might they might put it in the in the junk drawer to look at later. I remember one time when I was first getting started, one of my good friends was telling me the story and it really stuck with me because I thought, oh, this is the power of sending written offers to sellers. Excuse me. What we're talking about is not leaving one lead left behind, no lead left behind. Write that down. But anyways, what happened was he sent an offer to a seller and said to her, ma'am, it was nice talking to you today about your house. This I understand you don't want to sell right now, but if circumstances change, please keep this attached, this letter for future reference. And he attached an offer to the letter right? But he sent it in the physical mail. Well, it was an elderly lady and she kept this letter. She kept, because the guy said to keep it. So some people, you just have to tell them that. Keep this letter for future reference. She yeah. kept it in the files. About two or three years later, he got a phone call and they said, you know, this is so-and-so from the estate of so-and-so. And uh, are you still interested in buying our house? And he's like, well, I don't remember what house are you talking about. And they gave him the address. And, he, you know, this was a friend of mine named Steve. And he said, and he pretended to remember. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Remind me again, though, like anyway, they were going this the lady died and she they were going through her. She had a folder for house, important house stuff, and they found his letter in the house folder and they called him up and said, would you still be interested in buying the house? And he did. He went and made an offer and uh, made a lot of money. I think he rehabbed it. He was a big rehabber. But here's the point. When you do your follow-up, always, always send something in writing in the physical mail. It still works. It works really, really well. Don't think you have to handwrite these things yourself. I use email-to-mail, click-to-mail a lot. So I can create the letter in REI Simple, email it to -to click-to-mail. Click-to-mail will print it and send it in the physical mail to the seller whose address is in the subject line of the email Once a month, take all of your old leads, download all of the addresses and send the sellers a simple letter, a postcard. Hey, it was great talking to you the other day. You probably don't remember me. Have you sold your house yet? Are you still interested in selling Okay. Yep. All right. We're getting some comments in here. I'm going to look at them. Don't forget, guys. Type. Keep on typing in your questions. One of our friends and clients, Chris Arnold, said that literally just happened to me. Isn't that crazy? The Children <laughs> found my offer in their father's desk. <laughs> I love it, Chris. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. We just did a uh, we just did a case study actually on no dead leads. We I used to work Chris's market, and we we're both oh. virtual two years old. It's called NoDeadLeads.com, and we just went through. We're actually working. I think there's 134 leads. We'd already done a deal originally. So we started calling and texting everyone, just like Joe said, with Esther. And we've got about 21 leads that we're working right now. Um, So it's kind of an active case to see after two years, can we go and uh, still do a deal? So um, you should check that out, guys. You recognize this guy, Gavin? Yes, a man. That's who I owe it all to. That's who got me started. Why don't you tell this story? One conversation with this guy on the screen in a coffee shop led me here how insane is that so oh, and where was that gavin because you're not was pretty in hurts yeah so i was visiting i was living in the united states visiting back in the uk with my parents my wife and we went down to a place called st ives in cornwall and it was about nine o'clock and it was like a coffee shop wine wait, wait, Cornwall. Bottle. nobody knows where that is yeah. cornwall south england like towards land end right <laughs> so the, the south south and um We were on vacation there with my parents for a week and uh, he was there for a wedding and we happened to be sitting next to him and his wife and another couple in a coffee shop kind of wine bar. What stuck as a conversation literally was my wife thought he was from South Africa. He's actually from Ireland (laughs) and uh, I interrupted it because she was right. She was having none of it. So we started having a conversation and uh, from that I got into real estate. I mean, it was it was insane. So, um, yeah, without going You know over the full story but that's kind of what happened and he said to me i see i see property what did he say he said i i see i see he said i'm a property investor but i don't see houses and i was like well that makes no sense and then he started saying, well, you'd be good at it. You should look at it. And I'm like, well, I'm a golf professional. I don't know anything about houses. And this conversation happened, and now I'm in real estate. I mean, it was it's literally as crazy as that. And that's
0: that's It's awesome because I met Ian when I was doing a workshop in Spain. We did two or three of those workshops in Spain. Yeah. And that's how I met Gavin. And crazy. We've been working together four or five years now. Five, yep. Five, wow. Okay, so guys, um, you're, you're typing in some good questions. Marlon answer, asked a question here. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Tony asked a question here. Could you go off of the three off the formula again, Joe? Yes, we will do that. just want to talk about a few more other things real quick here that we're seeing is important in addition to the follow-up, virtual deals, small towns, related to what Gavin was just saying. You know, here he is in England, met a guy named Ian who's in England doing deals virtually without seeing them, especially now, guys, listen. I was in a mastermind all day yesterday and and Monday, the last two days. Again, high level guys doing a lot of deals, spending 50 to 100 grand a month on marketing and paying $65 per just to get a click from a Google ad. That's not even a lead, that's a click, which is crazy expensive, right? Well, anyway, and they're all saying the same thing. And these guys are in big, expensive, competitive markets. and, And it's like, we, you can do deals in, in competitive markets. You're just going to have to be prepared to spend a lot more money. But the profits are a lot bigger as well. So there's a lot of good things about that. But we're all saying the same thing getting harder and harder to do deals in these big competitive markets and especially i mean the deals that they were closing in december because december's were you know november and december's were big months those were from deals that they got under contract in september and october a lot of people said the same thing we're starting to see a slowdown in november and december a slowdown in the leads coming in probably because of the election and the uncertainty and all the crazy things that have been going on lately but here's the thing guys You need to start looking at doing deals virtually in small towns. There is so much opportunity and very little to no competition in small towns. And I say this all the time. In fact, maybe I should just show you an example. Let's go to Redfin and Zillow. Somebody type into the comments in YouTube or Facebook right now, a market, a city or a market. And I'm going to pick one of the first ones that I see here. Type it into YouTube or Facebook, a city or a market that you're in. And I'm going to pull up some stuff inside of Zillow and Redfin. And I want to show you what I mean by virtual deals, small towns. I mean, you know, when you're just getting started, you think that you have to go see the house, you have to go visit the seller and, and walk through the house. It's how do you do virtual deals that sounds too hard or complicated or scary to do? Lake Charles, Lake City, Florida. Let's do Lake City, Florida. This is from Larry. All right. I don't know where Lake City, Florida is, but let me share my screen here. Lake City, Florida from Zillow. And let me do one other thing here. Lake City, Florida is not available yet in Redfin. Let me open up a map here. What counties in, you know? No, I don't. So let's look here. This is a small little town. I guess I should have been more specific give me a big town. In fact, let me I wanna do I want to do a big city where, where a lot of people live. You may live in Lake City, Florida. I don't know where that is. Oh, that's that's in the sticks of Florida. Let me look one more time at some towns that Sarasota, Florida. All right, Patricia. We're gonna look at Sarasota, Florida. And let me clear the banners here so you can see my screen better. Um, Sarasota, Florida. Sarasota, Florida. Okay. I'm going to share my screen again here. All right. You see my screen. So here's Sarasota, Florida. I'm going to also look it up here. Sarasota, Florida is not a huge market, but it's in the Tampa St. Pete area. All right. First of all, you think the Tampa St. Pete, Sarasota, Florida is competitive and there's no deals there. And you might be right. If I look at Redfin, I'm just going to zoom out a little bit. So Sarasota is down here. Here's Tampa St. Pete right here. And I'm looking, let me just do a, uh, I'll draw. I'm going to draw here so I don't get Orlando. I'm going to draw that area of Florida. And there are, as soon as it opens up, 25,000 homes for sale, okay? Let me show you something though. Let me go to more filters. Let's look at just houses. Let's not do the real high expensive homes. Let's look at homes under $500,000. We don't do the real cheap shacks either. Let's do A hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. Time on Redfin more than 60 days. But oh, one more thing, let's remove new construction. So that has to be built before 2018, apply filters. Guys, there are 1,512 homes. Because you're, you're maybe in Sarasota, which is right there. Well, if you just zoomed out into the whole Tampa-St. Pete area, there are 1,500 homes priced between 100000 to $500,000 right now that have been on the market over 60 days that is not new construction. How about over 90 days? Because everybody says, oh, the market's so hot, all you got to do is stick a sign in the yard and you're going to to get hundreds of offers over asking price. Well, okay, maybe. But if that's the case, why are there 936 homes for sale that have been on the market over 90 days in this area? Now, if you were just in the Sarasota area, there's only like 36 homes there. As you start zooming out, you're going to find a lot more. So again, look at this, 936 homes. I know it may be hard to see because it's kind of small there. 936 homes. What if you remove the outline? 1,720 homes. Let's zoom out again. Now we're looking at Miami, Palm Beach, Daytona, Orlando. 3,900 homes. In the sweet spots price range, I've been on the market over 90 days. And guys, I've done this in many different markets and I've tested the sending letters to older listings saying, hey, if I could buy your house on La Jolla Drive in Claremont, Florida, which is near Orlando, it looks like, for full price, would you consider maybe doing a lease purchase or owner financing? I get responses from that. And I'm not sending it to the realtor. I'm sending it to the owner of this house. And guess what? A lot of these houses are vacant. A lot of these houses are vacant. And you come to them and Say hey, I might be able to get you what you're looking for if you would be willing to do seller financing or lease purchase. I get a lot of deals from that, right? So I just wanted to show you, like, if you're in Little Sarasota and you only have 126 homes, zoom out because there's so much opportunity here. You could even zoom out again, and you could say, all right, well, on let's just look at the Jacksonville area. There's 238 homes there, so maybe. One week, you go after the Jacksonville, Florida homes. The next week, you go after the homes around Orlando. The next week, you go around the homes, look for the homes in the Tampa, St. Pete area. Let's go here to Florida real quick. And let's say we're doing the for sale by owner method, where we're just looking for FISBOs. There's none in Sarasota, Florida. If I'm doing this right, there's no FISBOs in Sarasota, Florida. Oh, right here. There's 174. I always forget, this is a new yeah. thing in Zillow, in case you didn't know and you're freaking out. Like, cause if you're here looking for for sale by owner, you're gonna see zero listings. Well, it's zero agent listings. When you click on other listings, there you go, okay? And again, let's let's remove the real super high expensive homes. There's 127 FISBOs. Now, if I'm just in Sarasota, there's 40. Well, let's remove boundary. Now there's 127, all right? And this is just houses only. I'm not even looking at condos or townhomes. Guess what? It would take me a couple days to market to all of those Fizbo's. I need more leads than that. Well, zoom out. Now there's 237. See right there? Let's zoom out again. Now there's 778. But still, that might only last me a couple weeks. Let's zoom out again. Holy smokes, Florida. Look at this. 1,800 for sale by owners. But let's say you still, you go through that and you're, you're, you're through all of that within a couple weeks. Let's look at the entire state of Florida. 2,200 Fizbo's. Let's say the next month, the next week, you go after Georgia. There's 876 FISBOs in Georgia. How about South Carolina? There's 456. The next week, let's go after North Carolina. There's 680 FISBOs. Now, what if, let's go back to Florida here, there's 210, uh, 2,210 FISBOs right now. But let's say I like targeting rentals. I like targeting rentals because these are properties that are, these are good homes to lease purchase, okay? And I'm looking for homes between... A thousand and twenty four hundred a month. And I only want nice homes to lease purchase. So I'll do three plus bedrooms, houses only, no condos or apartments or townhomes. And if I go to Sarasota, there's only 40 properties there that meet their criteria. Well, let me remove boundary. Now there's 150. Let's zoom out. Now there's 350. Zoom out again. 1500. Zoom out again. Now this looks like a condo or a duplex or something like that. But let's say, oh, a thousand dollars, crappy junk houses. All right, let's do 1200. 3,100, let me zoom out again, 4,000, let's just look at Florida only, 3,900, and let's look at Georgia, 1,900, let's look at Alabama, 547, how about Mississippi, is it it MS or MI? MS, MI
1: is Michigan.
0: Ah, okay, thank you, that's embarrassing sea of South Carolina, 556. Here's the thing, guys, what I'm trying to say. There is so much opportunity outside of your backyard. So one week, go after Florida. The next week, go after Alabama. The next one, Georgia. The next one, South Carolina. And then rotate back, Florida, Alabama, Georgia. Guys, if you just picked three different markets, and don't be afraid of the small towns, you can crush it. You can do a lot of deals. All right, let me show you one other thing I like to look at. If I am, uh, this is a website called worldpopulationreview.com slash states. Worldpopulationreview.com slash states. Now, what I like about this is I can pick a state like Florida. I can scroll down here, and this is a Florida population density by county. You can see this is Sarasota County. The um, population density is pretty big, right? But look at the growth. It's 16, the growth is right here in this area right here, okay? The growth in Sarasota County is 16%. But, you know, housing prices there are probably pretty expensive. What about this county right here, DeSoto? There's only 38,000, but look at their growth, 10.5% in the last 10 years. What about this county, Highlands County? They have over, they have 107,000 people there. They're still growing 9%. What about this county down here, Collier County? Here's the thing I want to say, guys, if you're just going after Sarasota County, you're going to struggle. If you're going after Pinellas County and Hillsborough County, there's tons of competition there. Start looking out in other counties, Charlotte County, Highlands County, DeSoto, Hardy, Glades, Henry, Collier. Like what if this one, this county right here, Highlands County, let's look at some. I'm going to go to PropStreamJoe.com, PropStreamJoe.com. And let's say I wanted to do a cold call campaign in... Highlands County. How much How much competition do you think is going on there right now in Highlands County? Let's look at Highlands County, Florida. What is there? How much? A couple small towns and some lakes. Okay. Highlands County, Florida. There's 113,000 properties there. Let's go right here to absentee owner. Let's do single families only. And let's do high equity. And they have had to have owned it for at least... Five years. Look at that, guys. There's 5,400 absentee owners. Let's do ten years. There are 3,600 absentee owners that own single-family homes that have 50% equity or more in a single-family home. Or you say, yeah, great. But are any investors even buying properties out there? Well, let's look. Let's see how many investors have bought a property there in the last year. And let's do corporate only. All right. So this is corporate only, single family. They've owned it less than a year, include unknown sales. There we go. So here are 530 different properties that have been purchased by an absentee owner. We could even go as far as say the owner is out of state. And let's do, doesn't matter here. All right. Look at this, and we, let's exclude inter-family transfers. That, that excludes divorces, and let's exclude in unknown sale dates. Uh, yeah, unknown sale dates. So, in the last year, there's 174 different absentee owners from outside of Florida, or 174 different properties that have been purchased by investors outside of Florida in Highlands County. All right. So, if you get one of these properties under contract, you can skip trace, call, send letters to these owners, and say, "Hey, are you looking for another property?" the area look these are investment properties all right does that make sense what I'm saying just real quick I showed you if you're gonna go after if you lived in Sarasota Florida, Look at Highlands County, okay? Pull a list of 5,000 absentee owners that have owned their house over five years or 10 years that have at least 50% equity. Skip trace that list, cold call them, get some deals under contract, and sell it to these people right here. Does that make sense? This investor on Cornell, someone who bought it from New Mexico, Alan Mitchell, bought this property from Las Cruces, New Mexico. All right. So anyway, I think you guys get the point of what I'm saying. Are there any questions of what I just kind of showed you there? Any questions here? What was the population density website again? It's called worldpopulationreview.com. dot com. Yep, that's correct. I'm gonna. I'll put that in here as a banner. Worldpopulationreview.com. dot com. In fact, let me. Uh You want to look for counties that have maybe at least 100,000 people, but still have positive growth. And I'd encourage you to look at the counties one or two or three outside of where you are. There's just so much opportunity there. All right. Thank you, Patricia. Good stuff. Wayne, you're dropping gems all over the place. Come on. Cool. Let's go into some questions here. Anything else we want to talk about real quick, Gavin? Virtual deals in small towns. Ask who, not how. Follow up is important. Your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. Learn to make multiple offers. Be brilliant at the basics. What are those? Marketing, talking to sellers, making offers, and follow up. Okay. So, yes, this is being recorded. In fact, it's on YouTube right now. So, if you're watching this, you can always go back and watch the YouTube replay. Worldpopulationwhat.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's a world population review.com world population review.com all right so let's go through some questions if you have questions here guys oh yeah i want to say something else real quick if you are interested in getting our help with setting this stuff up i have a website here for you i'm going to give it to you network.com slash systems. If you want our help in getting these systems set up, getting help with a marketing plan, getting help with figuring out your scorecard, some accountability to hold you accountable to that scorecard, help with getting the virtual assistance, systems, the marketing, pulling the list, skip tracing it, doing the direct mail, cold calling, whatever the marketing is that we help you th- figure out. If you go to REINetwork.com, slash systems. There's a page here that explains a little bit about it. Tell, tell us a little bit about you, who you are. And you'll get on the phone with either Gavin or someone from our team, and we'll talk to you about your goals, where you are now, where you want to be, if we feel like we're a good fit. and we'll, We have one or two different programs. We'll talk to you about it and see if you're a good fit and we can maybe help you. So go to Rianetwork.com slash systems. All right, some questions here. A lot of good thank yous. We appreciate that. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, type in your questions in here. Okay. This one's from Marlon. When talking about marketing to Fisbos or any campaign, are you saying that the process is basically to keep getting new scraped leads daily? And do these include you include your follow up to leads you have recently sent marketing to? Okay. So when we're talking about sending marketing to Fisbos and rentals, we recommend scraping them weekly. And there's companies that I I recommend in my courses and stuff. I don't give those resources away for free um, here on our free coaching calls because like, it's kind of too valuable to give away for free like that. But there is a company that I use. They scrape Zillow and Craigslist. They can scrape Redfin for you every single week and give you the new ones. And so we just send them a text message. Sometimes we send the owners a letter and we just ask them, hey, we saw your rental on Zillow. Would you be interested in selling? Patricia's asking, how do we do this from Kansas City? Well, just like we showed you, we kind of pick some areas if I were you Patricia, I'm very familiar with Kansas City. In fact, I'm going there this weekend to visit some family and my um, daughter has a gymnastics tournament in Kansas City. But anyway, kind of like Kansas City's kind of competitive, not that crazy compared to other cities. I would find out where the investor activity is and then I would also start looking in the counties surrounding Kansas City, specifically on the Missouri side. it's a little easier to get data on the Missouri side and the Kansas side, but it's consistent. It's the basic stuff, right? It's the basic things we talked about, marketing, talking to sellers, making offers and following up. You just keep on doing that over and over again. What's the difference between lease options and owner finance? Diana, it's a cool name. So basically lease options is where you control property without owning it. Owner financing is where you control property and own the property. So owner financing, you actually take the deed to the property, you own it, and the bank, I mean, the seller acts as the bank, okay? and a lease option, I don't own the property. I'm just controlling it through a lease and an option. I'm going to lease the property from the seller for a couple of years, three, four, five years with the option to buy it in the future. That's the difference between those two, okay? and an owner financing deal, the seller is pretty much acting as the bank. I'm owner financing it from them. Good question from Willie. This seller asked me if you can't buy my house now with an interest rate at all-time lows, how are you going to be able to buy it in 2 years now with this lease option stuff? How would you respond to that? I always tell the sellers, "Really, um, I can buy your house now. In fact, I'll if you would like a cash offer, I'll go ahead and send you a cash offer, but it's probably going to be pretty ridiculously low. We buy our properties usually at 60-70 cents on the dollar. It's not going to work for everybody. I can certainly buy it now. I can, I in fact, I can close on it in a week if it works for us. But let me ask you some questions. How long have you had it on the market or have you thought about just, why don't you just sell it with a realtor? So I turn it around and ask another question. I always ask the sellers, why don't you just list your house with a realtor and see what they say? This is why I like making cash offers with my lease option offers, because I can tell them I will buy it with cash, but it's going to be at this ridiculous low price. And that reminds me, somebody else was asking a really good question. I'll get to it later. You want to add anything to that, Gavin?
1: Yeah. So obviously they think that you're living in the house. That's the problem. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they, they they the concept is is that they think you can't do that. So you're, you're using the cash offer, okay, to say that you can buy it, as Joe just said, which is then going to open up for like, so are you living in the house? So you just got to get to the point that you're not. This is an investment property for you to rent for a year or two and, and then sell. And then when they say, are you living in it? No, I'm not. It's an investment property, okay? But I can give you more money if you're willing to wait for it. Or we can cash you out, no problem. Then you go into, but it's going to be less. You're not going to accept it. I normally don't bring it up because I don't want to upset you by offering you a loan. This is a beautiful house. And you kind of play on that. And then normally that's enough to then move on and then ask another question. Okay, always... Ask a question back, right? You always want to gain control of the conversation constantly.
0: We spend a lot of time working with our students and clients on that. Learning how to talk to sellers is super critical. Teresa has a question here. Do you get local phone numbers and websites when working in another virtual market? Yeah, so every campaign we do in our multiple markets, we get virtual phone numbers for So like if I'm doing Sarasota, Florida market or South Florida market, I might have six or seven different phone numbers for that. And REI Simple, it's only four bucks a month for phone number, but I'll have a phone number for my letters, another phone number for my postcards. That way I can track where the leads are coming from. And that's really easy to do inside of uh, REI Simple. Now, when it comes to websites, I will, you know, I probably wouldn't worry about getting a different website for each market. I would just have one website, you know, like who asked Teresa. I would probably have something like Teresa buys houses.com is what my website would be like. Okay. Yeah, this is real good. Mike says we put at the bottom footer of postcards and letters. If you are not interested in selling now, please keep this document with your house papers for future reference. Really, really good. Yeah. Larry is saying, how can you position your offers as a realtor? So Larry, are you saying like you are a realtor and you want to present your offers? I'm not sure like what you mean by that, like or if the offer is you're presenting the offer to a realtor. Anyway, if you're a realtor, you have to disclose that you're an agent always. And so you'll say, listen, I, I am a realtor, but I'm not looking for a listing. I'm looking to buy a house right now. And in fact, I don't want to list your house. If you want to list your house, I can refer you to some other agents. I'm I'm an investor. I'm looking to buy some more properties in the area. And one of the other questions I like to ask is once I'm talking to the sellers is, listen, have you thought about this? Like, if you don't sell your house, what are you going to do? Are you going to list it Are you rent it out? If you don't sell your house, what are you going to do? If you're going to rent it, well, maybe we can work together. Another similar question from Marlon. I'm a realtor in Kansas City. I'm looking to connect with another realtor leasing agent to do the marketing. Joe, do you co-list or just turn it over to the leasing agent? So when it comes to list to lease options, I just hire a leasing agent to find me a tenant buyer. And it doesn't matter if you belong to the same brokerage or not. Question from Tony, could you go over the three offer formula again, Joe? Yes, real simple. For a cash offer, it's the ARV times. or let's just keep it super simple. Cash offer is Zillow times 70%. Zillow times, in fact, maybe I should write this down here. I'm going to do this in the banners. Cash offer, Zillow times 70%. Okay, cash offer, Zillow times 70%. And then a lease option is Zillow times so that's the the price, okay? This option, Zillow times 85% is the price. Then the Zillow rent times 75% for the rent. For the rent, it's Zillow rent times 75%. And the term is usually three to five years, okay? For owner financing, it's going to be Zillow times 100%. I'm going to offer them, for owner financing, I'm going to offer them 100% of Zillow, okay? Then owner financing would be the um, Zillow rent, times 50% for the, I'm writing this down here, principal only payments. Okay, so let me run through this again. For owner financing, it's Zillow rent times 50%. So I'm gonna offer them half of the rent to principal only payments. So my cash offer number one is gonna be Zillow times 70%. Just like these are, again, real simple, fast offers that we're sending out. These aren't tied in, in uh, written in stone. If once we, once they say yes, then we'll do our due diligence and may have to lower this based on, you know, what, the repairs are and stuff like that. For lease option, it's going to be Zillow times 85% of my price. And for the rent, it's going to be Zillow rent times 75%. So I want at least 15% equity in the house and at least 25% of the rent for cash flow, three to five years. And owner financing is going to be 100% of Zillow, but the rent's going to be my payment rather, not rent, my payment to the seller is going to be about 50% of Zillow rent, principal only payments, okay? And that's going to be until paid. That's all negotiable. You know, you could be balloon in 10 years if you wanted, right? If they wanted a balloon in 10 years or five years, I might do 30% of Zillow rent or 40%. So just The point of this is just keep it super simple. Give the sellers options and it's all contingent on an inspection. And as you do your inspection, that's when you dive deeper into the, not the Zillow the estimate value, but the ARVs, what you feel the comps really are, are at. You know, This calculation follows the offer calculation spreadsheet, right? Yes, Alton. Yeah, it's real similar. If you have any of my spreadsheets from any of my courses, that kind of uh, it's the same thing on a cash deal. When you email blast cash buyers asking for their best and final offer, after you accept an offer, do you email them all back and tell them the amount of that offer you accepted? Kevin, why don't you talk about your philosophy here a little bit? For me, you know, when I sell the deal to the first cash buyer who gives me a serious offer, what do you do? Do you, are you do you uh, farm
1: or what? Do you, what's the phrase? We don't. it out. We don't blast them. We don't blast uh, deals out. We do a couple of different things. Sometimes we have organized like who buys where, uh, which buyers. So we kind of have our go-to buyers where if it comes in an area, we know that these certain buyers are going to buy it. And we normally opt in for that if, if we need to close it fast or if we have time and we know that there's gonna be, it's going to be in a good area, then we're going to chop it through multiple people and try and get them into kind of a bidding war. But we hold that in the right way. We just try to tell them final and best, and then we take the biggest offer. So it all comes down to time. If we have the time, it's in a good area. We already know if it's a good deal and who's how much traction it's gonna get. So the more traction that it's gonna get, it's gonna be final and best, and we're gonna try and bid up as high as we can. Or if we know like, all right, we, we should make 10,000, let's just take it and get it closed as fast as we can. Then we'll go with the most reliable buyer that can kind of just write a check.
0: Melissa said, yeah, no, we don't do bid wars. We accept an offer with a buyer. We close with that buyer. Reputation is paramount.
1: Very, very yeah. good.
0: I mean, we only do that if we position that up front.
1: Yeah. So we just did one. We got, you know, more money. But everyone knows the deal. So as long as you position, that's what's happening, right? There's nothing worse than getting into a bidding. If you say final and best, and then you try and bid them up, because now they're going to get upset. But if you just say, we have multiple people interested, right? So we'll let you know back and forth who's going to pay the most, and then we'll get them into a bidding war, but they know what's going on. Yeah.
0: Melissa said, we just bid up a property 8K. We made an extra 8,000 because I could. I positioned it that way up front.
1: Yeah. And some, aren't, and some aren't worth doing that. It's only because of the location, and it's a good house in a good area, so we're able to do that. Otherwise, it's just you're not going to be able to get it bid up. D has a good question here. What's your opinion of the Cleveland,
0: Ohio market? You want to answer that, Kevin? Then I will.
1: Yeah, so Cleveland is – you know, obviously it's a very active market for for Ohio, and I would look at the states. Oh, sorry, not the states. The counties probably around Cleveland, unless you're set up with somebody that you're going in there virtual or you live there. So, if you're going to be right in in that county of Cleveland. You just need to, to know what to expect, which is obviously competition, which I'm fine about competition. But you as a new investor need to understand what, it, what it's going to take to get deals done. If you go outside of the counters, you're going to do deals faster um, by, by doing that but I do like the market. I'm not going to lie. It's nothing like a Phoenix or a New York or anything like that. But you have got to be about the process. We've talked a lot about marketing to get leads in. We have talked about follow-up. Well, the whole process is the important thing to get deals done, especially in a competitive market.
0: Yeah. Let me just share my screen with you guys. Let's look at Ohio real quick. This is, again, worldpopulationreview.com. I think Cleveland is Cuyahoga County or something. You can see the population density, it's a very populous county. Look at the population growth, the number that's right here when I highlight it over. It's down 3.9%, okay? But look at this, Medina County is up 4.6. This county, Lorraine, is up 3.03. This one is down Summit County, okay? But what I'm looking at is what are those counties outside, one or two counties away, right? What about, let's look at one here. Like this one, Portage County still has over 100,000 people, growth 0.65%. How about Wayne County? 115,000 people still growing. Now, it doesn't have to be a positive number, but what about Erie County? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But I'm looking for Stark County. A lot of people still, Mahoning County. These are like, there's not as much uh, competition, but still a lot of people out here. If you scroll up too, you can also go to population growth rate. So I guess red is good and blue is bad, right? So here, this is Cuyahoga County. This county is growing. This one's growing. This one is growing. This one's, you know, growing. So look at some of these counties here, Licking County. Maybe that's a good county to look at. Probably these counties that are really shrinking may not be good counties to go into. But if you're in Cleveland, Ohio, look at some of these oranges and yellows outside of there. Less competition. There's still investors that are buying homes there that you can wholesale.
1: Yeah. I will tell people as well that going outside the counties doesn't always work in every market. Like for Alabama, for instance, like it goes rural too fast, so it doesn't work. I just know Cleveland... Because I've done some stuff there and I know them counties are still populated enough for that to work. Just like Charleston or Phoenix, like surrounding ones, they're all going to work. But if you go to like Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, when you go one county over, it's just land, there's nothing there. So you have to look at, the, at them colors, like when you start with a real dark, dark red. And then when the red goes like just a normal red, uh, like our names are in, that's probably like a good color to kind of be in. Let me show you. I just
0: picked a new county um, in Texas to market to for land. I'm going me show you what I did with for land. I went to landwatch.com and I just wanted to find a good county that people are going to go to like this in Texas to go camping, to go hunting, ride their four wheelers, get off the grid, you know, a place that if they're a prepper or survivalist to go hide their guns when the government comes to the socialist communists come to take over everything, right? So you can go to Texas like this land watch and I am looking for the cheaper properties. So I'm going to say, you know, homes are vacant lots that are priced under a hundred thousand dollars. All right. And that's the filters applying there. And I'm also going to, I only want properties that are between five acres and 50 acres, 5 to 50 acres. And then look at this. You can see the most popular regions. These are listings. are the Piney Woods North region, the Trans-Pecos region, but that's desert, right? I, I don't know if somebody who's in Dallas, Austin, Houston, are they going to drive all the way out here to go for vacation? No. Or they go hunting. They're probably going to go in the Piney Woods North region or the Northeast region or the Piney Woods South region to hunt or to camp or just whatever. So let's, then I click on here, the Piney Woods North region. And now I'm looking at, okay, there's uh, 227 listings here. Henderson County has the most. Harrison County has the second most. Shelby, Nagadoches or whatever. And so what I'm doing here is if, if I looked at Henderson County, this is my competition. If I take this price low to high, there's somebody selling a 5.7 acre lot for 40 grand, five acres for 41, five acres for 48. This is a nice area, right? wooded areas people may buy this for lumber timber just to go four-wheeling to build cabins to get off the grid type of thing right so i'm looking at this thinking, oh this might be a good county where i can buy this property let's say i show you an example i know you can't see this but if it's if they're selling for 39 900 divided by 5.72 so they're selling these lots are selling for an average of seven thousand dollars per acre I'm going to offer that times 0.25. I'm going to offer $1,700 per acre. So they're selling right now for $7,000 an acre. I'm going to offer $1,700 per acre. So if I find a seven acre lot, I'm going to take $1,700 times seven. I'm going to offer $12,000 for that seven acre lot. And I'm going to turn around and sell it for $30,000. So when I sell that vacant lot out here in Henderson County, when that buyer comes here and sorts it from low to high, they're going to see my seven acre lot cheaper than everybody else's. They're going to buy mine. I'm going to make it $18,000 profit on that vacant lot. Now we're seeing on average about one out of every 25 offers accepted for our vacant land. We're making offers at 25 cents on the dollar. If I wanted to, I could sell with owner financing like this guy here. This guy is selling this vacant lot for forty-one thousand dollars a month. Now that's pretty high. I'd probably be more like three or $400 a month. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was on mute. That's so it. good. Are you familiar with call tools? Yes, we've used it before. Alton, we like Mojo Cells. They call. They both work. We just are most familiar with uh, with Mojo Cells. And this is important. We were talking about buyers a minute ago. Melissa says my buyers come to me first because they know I treat them right. I do it right. Relationships. So yeah, it is all about relationships. Good question from Aaron. What's the best situation for an offer? for owner-seller finance. There's a lot of sellers out there that want to sell but don't have to, and uh, especially if they're older, and if they sell their house, they're going to have to pay a lot of taxes, capital gains taxes. And so if you offer them owner financing, they don't get all their cash now. And plus, what are they going to do with it, right? They're going to sit in a CD or money market account or something like that and give them 1% or 2%. And if they sell it for cash, or if they sell it through the MLS, they're going to have to pay commissions, they're going to have to fix it up, they're going to have to put a lot of money into it, and they're only going to walk away with 85 to 90% of what the original list price was i'll give them a hundred percent of the list price and they don't have to do anything to it i'll take it as is and they don't have to pay the property the um don't have to worry about taxes or insurance anymore. And I'll buy their house. And they can be the bank instead of being the landlord. They can be the bank. Nobody calls the bank and asks them for repairs or to fix things. You understand the difference? So let me just give you guys one more time here. We only have a few more minutes. If you are interested in working with me and Gavin, we're going to get your system set up. We're going to help you come up with a marketing plan. We're going to help you find the sellers to pull, the lists to pull. We're going to help you skip trace them. We're going to help you set up the systems to market to them, find the VAs that will do the marketing for you. And so if you're interested, in you get some coaching and help and get accountability. Go to REINetwork.com systems. REINetwork.com systems. we got a few more questions here. Chris says, if you're thinking about it, just do it. It really works, and I love it. Gavin and Joe are great. Thank you, Chris. I wish you could see the questions, Gavin. I, I, I should have thought of this
1: beforehand. But... Yeah, so I mean, I'm trying on social media. That's kind of why I'm looking down, but it's too hard to communicate that over to you so
0: keen is asking i want to learn more about how to flip lots. um a good place to start there's a lot of good podcasts out there um i'd recommend you check them out if you go to my podcast real estate investing mastery i did a podcast with you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and you do a search for um Episode 201, I did this three years ago, but it's still one of my favorite podcasts. The Simplicity and Power of Land Investing. So again, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, do a search for 201 or Scott Todd. A really good podcast, you should listen to that. All right. Any other questions here real quick? I think we're good. Oh, here we go. How do you feel about the competition level in either Las Vegas or Louisiana or LA? How do we feel about competition? This relates to Las Vegas. It's, it is Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's obviously pockets. You have to be careful in Vegas. It's it's kind. Of, you get a lot of people investing from Phoenix in Vegas, so you've got a lot of you know marketing efforts going into that market. You just have to look at again, analyze within Vegas and, and make sure you're in the kind of the right areas. Uh, look where the activity is, depending on if you're doing cash deals, if you're doing wholesaling, look where the, the, the buyers are buying. And then if you're doing lease options, uh, then you know that that's fine as well for that market. It probably suits more of a creative finance market, unless again, you have that them systems in place and you're really going to work it and work the follow-up to get deals done in Vegas. So it's a bit like Phoenix, it's, it's heading that way. So as competitive as Phoenix, but it's Jesse,
0: is it time to stop wholesaling in California? I think it's time to stop doing anything and everything in Cal- Commie, California and hightail it out of there. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. You know, I used to live in California. I was born there, raised there. I've lived in San Diego, LA, San Francisco, and Bakersfield. I love California. My family's still there, but I would never want to live there. It's a crazy market. It's a crazy state, um, and it's just easier. To do deals, but even if you're there, okay, you you don't have to do deals there. Like you can do, you have the entire United States open to your backyard. I would probably encourage you to look outside of California into other states. That's what I would do. Okay, one more question here from Teresa. What if the property needs repairs? How does that parlay into all your offers, especially the assignment offer? All right. So for property needs repairs, when I'm first making my initial offer, if this, if I can tell from the pictures it needs cosmetic work, you know, paint, carpet i might i'll do ten dollars a square foot for repairs okay if the seller tells me it doesn't need any work and i've not seen any pictures i'll figure five dollars a square foot if it's a full gut rehab 25 bucks a square foot for repairs so when i'm making my initial offer it's just real simple 5 10 or 20 25 dollars a square foot for estimating repairs if you're using rei simple there's a really good estimator tool in there it can help you estimate repairs but every offer i make is contingent on an inspection so if the seller says yes yeah, and they accept your offer, you can get a contractor there to go give you a better estimate. Plus, here's the important thing. Your buyers will tell you how much repairs it needs. okay? You just go ahead and figure $30,000 for repairs. And if it's not enough, your buyers will tell you. So then you have time to go back to the seller and renegotiate a new price or cancel your contract, okay? Yeah. Cool, anything else, Gavin? I think we got all of the questions here. This has been fun. Yeah, two hours Appreciate you guys very, very much. And if there's anything else we can do to help you, just shoot us a message or, you know, contact us on Facebook or YouTube here. And if you want to work with us, go to REINetwork.com systems, REINetwork.com systems. Okay? And we appreciate you all.
1: Awesome. Very Thanks,
0: Joe. Job. Thanks, Have Gavin. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Hey, if you liked this video, this has been helpful to you. Please let us know. Give us a thumbs up right now. Say thank you. What did you like? What were some of the big takeaways you got from this? Please type them right now in the comments on YouTube or Facebook. love this. This is Jogno. Thank you guys for feeling more confident than ever. Still doing my homework. Angelica, really appreciate it. Virginia, thanks. Jesse, thanks. Joe, thanks a lot. Nice. Willie, thanks. And uh, Lori, thank. I hope that's thank you. <laughs> yeah. at, least it's not, if, at least it's not F you. <laughs> Uh, Willie, thanks, Teresa, great info. Nice. Okay, so please type down below, guys, what, what were some of your big takeaways, what you really liked from this? Really appreciate it. Share this video. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go check out Gavin's YouTube channel. It's called REI Network. Charlie says, very informative. Thank you. Navasa. Thank you. You're welcome. Angelica, action. Cool. And subscribe to the channel. Like the video. And so check us out at arianetwork.com slash systems if you want to get more information about working with uh, me and Gavin. We'll see you guys. Take care. Thanks, bye. Right. Right. Bye-bye.